What's up, Rhythm Church? Pastor Jeff here with my wife, Erin. Hi, church. Um, one of the things that everyone out there um, from our online campus is wondering, like they're questioning, they're, they're, they've been sending emails, texts, direct messages. They want to know, what are you most excited about when it comes to my birthday this upcoming week? Um, yeah, people have been asking me too. They've been sending me those messages, uh -huh, just uh -huh. saying, wow, this is like a major holiday. Yes. What are you doing? Yeah. And I'm just saying, start to finish, I'm excited to do what you want to do Whatever. for your birthday. And I know it's going to be just like hanging out at home, getting projects done around the house, <laughs> and checking oh. off those honeydew items. Can't yeah, wait. Yep, exactly. That's it's this Friday. Yep, this Friday. this Friday. Um, so, anyways, hey, welcome to you guys. This is the official week where this is now our online campus, where we are meeting in our campus campus in Oceanside, and now we're online. And it's so necessary because um, not only are people not ready to actually come back and meet in person, which is completely okay. But over these last couple months, we've had people join uh, us from um, all over Washington. Yeah. Um, we got people in Michigan, shout out to Michigan. Uh, we got people in Las Vegas, Nevada. We got people out in Pennsylvania. What? What town in Pennsylvania? I always forget the town in Pennsylvania. Anyways, um, from Liberty. all Liberty, yeah, and then all over California. And so um, it's like this is now this is now a necessity. You're part of our church family. Yeah, it's so awesome. So stoked. Um, and so I want to remind you, uh, we want to know uh, where you're watching from. We want to know that you, you like, we want to see that you're part. If you would post maybe to your Instagram story or maybe to Instagram or your feed or to Facebook or something, just a picture of you, you know, maybe with you and your family or you and some friends watching the sermon, tag us in it so that we can see it. And it just helps us like celebrate with you. Oh no, when this whole thing started, it, like people were like nonstop, like doing it. And then yeah. I think, Honestly, people are just over social media in general. I know, I know I am. It's been a little bit hectic, but anyways, we'd love to know that just yeah. so that we can celebrate with you guys. Mm -hmm. And then a reminder to go to our website where we have our online uh, service like webpage that has worship that you can click on. It's got stuff for kids ministry that you can click on. It's got a uh, spot for a digital communication card uh, so that we can just keep up to date with you and how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you have any needs, uh, or wants, just let us know. Prayer requests, on the, or if you want to join a team for when you are ready to come back and serve in the church. And then there's also a place to, to donate financially to give, to help Rhythm Church uh, with the mission and vision that God has given us to be a movement. We're excited about that. Yes. We're excited. So we're starting a new series. You excited about the new series? I am really excited about the new series. Yeah, because we're, we're like, this is our comeback season. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking out of the book of, for the next few weeks, out of Revelation. <laughs> Not because it's like, things are so crazy that Jesus is coming back. Although that wouldn't be bad. That might actually, actually be pretty good. But um, more from the standpoint of what Jesus says to the church. Because I don't know about you, but I think in this whole pause, it's been, it's been huge to see um, or to rethink, to, to pray for, almost maybe to redefine how the church operates in general. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love you. <laughs> oh, and then and then starting. Sorry, one more thing. One more thing. And then starting. It's really warm in this building, by the way. Starting next Thursday, 
Um, we're, we're, so you guys know these are all pre-recorded so that, that way it comes to you without technical difficulties. But starting next Thursday, we're going to start recording with a live studio audience Thursday evenings. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in being a part of that, that'd be awesome. Um, there's going to be a thing, there's going to be a, a page on our website. We're actually, for Sundays, just come, feel free to come. But for Thursdays, we want people to... Um, RSVP. RSVP, mm -hmm. so that we have an idea. It's also it's not a it's not a kid friendly service for that one because we are recording and so we need to make sure that the room and the environment is set. So you had a lot to say today, Jeff. A lot to say, and, the, and now I'm getting into Revelation. I'm gonna do my best to be quick on this message. We got to <laughs> give some background. It's gonna be wild. Pray for me, baby. Yeah, love, love you. you. Love you, rhythm. Okay, so Revelation, turn with me please, the book of Revelation chapter 1, we're going to read just a couple of verses in the beginning there, and then chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through about 7. Revelation is the very last book in your Bible, the very last book, so just basically turn to the end of your Bible, it's the easiest way to find it, look for Revelation, and um, maybe you've heard of it, uh, even if you're not a believer, even if you're not even, haven't even been raised in church, it's kind of... It's famous because, you know, it's about Armageddon, you know, the Battle of Armageddon, the end of the world. And that's actually kind of, you know, Revelation, people think it's about the end of the world, but it's not. It's really more about the beginning of uh, a new rule and reign with Jesus. And so uh, the, the word revelation itself in the Greek means, uh, 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 I think it's the Greek word is apocalypsos, or apoc but that's where we get the word apocalypse from. And again, we always think apocalypse, end times. But actually, the title, Revelation, and, and you know, apocalypse, apocalypse is, they're the same word. And it, it doesn't mean the end, it just means to uncover. It means to get um, uh, more of a heavenly perspective of what's happening and what's happening in the world. So the book of Revelation isn't, isn't like in times, in times, in times. It's more this is what God has seen in the church at that time and this is what's going to happen. We're getting God's perspective here in the book of Revelation. Okay, and so I'm assuming that you're with me in chapter one. It just says the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Now this could be the apostle John, or there's also another John at this era, um, in this era too that was going from place to place and preaching the gospel. And um, he was like, at this point in time, he's like stuck on the island of Patmos, which was like the Alcatraz of this era. So he's going to testify to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud. Reading aloud those words, that's me, and blessed. Blessed are the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the rulers of the kingdoms of the earth. Okay, 
you know, before we go any further, again, just a little bit of background and setting up here. And it talks about the seven churches. It talks about the seven spirits around the throne. Um, seven is a theme within the book of Revelation, the number seven. Seven in the Bible um, represents completion, completeness, seven days. There's like, it's, it's complete and it's perfection. It's like this complete perfection. And so you'll see um, throughout Revelation seven, the seven seals, just lots of seven. Now there's seven churches that, that they are writing to right now. And these seven churches are in the, uh, uh, in the Roman Empire in the, uh, in the Asia province of it, which is t- today it's modern day Turkey. And I've wondered like why these seven churches, now these seven churches for this time are actually on a major trade route. They're a major trade route. So they're all newer Christian communities along a major trade route. And so this letter is going to be disseminated to each of them so that each of them again can speak with, educate, preach to the people that are coming along these trade routes so that this word and this message would then spread faster. These are also like seven major postal cities. So these are the the seven churches that he writes to, plus these seven churches each deal with issues. They do some stuff good and they do some stuff bad, but they they deal with issues that we still see in the modern day church today. So it's just almost like this complete teaching slash urging that Jesus does that we can take and that we can learn from today. Now, Now it says... Uh, it basically lines out who this message is coming from. And this message is coming from God the Father, who is, who was, and who is to come, who is he's eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's coming from the seven spirits, which, which is basically a better way to say this would be the seven, the, the manifold, the seven manifold spirits, which is the Holy Spirit. That there's seven things that make up the Holy Spirit. You read it in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. There's the, it's the spirit of the Lord. It's the spirit of wisdom. It's the spirit of understanding. It's the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, all wrapped up into the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this is coming from the triune God, the God that is three but one. So this is the message Like this is where it's starting and it's starting to these seven churches. Dear Lord, that was a lot. Okay, chapter two, verse one. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, right hand, and walks with the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. Yet, yet, hold up, yet, I hold this, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your, you have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, we'll cover this actually in in another week. In another week, it's... It ties into another church. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches to him. Who is victorious? I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, 
which is in the paradise of God. All right, comeback season. We're starting comeback season, new series, and today I'm going to talk about comeback to love. Come back to love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. Teach us, encourage us, inspire us. Lord, convict us. Uh, we want to We want to hear this message. We want to receive this message with all of our heart, with all of our mind. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever ever come back from a trip to home and felt like, like that excitement, maybe to see family again, maybe that excitement to see your spouse again, like you're just, oh, it's been a while, and... And you, you know you can't. Oh, and it's like some. It's mostly it's the euphoric, and it's really you know great for a couple of days because you you came back from what you missed, you know what you wanted to be a part of. And when uh, when our kids were little, by the way, shout out to all the parents who have hung in there with small children this entire time. You guys are heroes. You guys are phenomenal. You guys are amazing. The fact that you haven't um, uh, gone crazy speaks volumes. Because I remember like when our kids were little. It was one of the hardest times in our marriage because we're taking care of, we had, they're all like two years apart, so they're all little at once together. At one time, I think most of them were in diapers together. It was crazy. But, um, but, I, but like, that was a hard time in marriage just for us to try to connect. And, you know, like, it was, it was a trip. And I remember, like, we get so rote and routine in our love for each other that we kind of just grow a little bit dim. Like, the romance wasn't there. There was no fire. You know, like, we're just trying to survive. And then every once in a while, I would go on a trip for ministry, like I would go on a missions trip or go speak somewhere or whatnot. And then I always looked forward to, especially the longer missions trips, because some of them went on were like two to three weeks. I always looked forward to coming home because I knew coming home, coming back to the house, like there was going to be this new appreciation for each other. You know, there was going to be this like romance and I just like, oh, I just, I remember getting on airplanes going like, I just can't wait to get home. Come on, somebody. Like it was so, it was so thrilling. But inevitably what ended up happening is that we would kind of, we'd get back into our, our routines. We would get back into regular life and we start to kind of lose, you, you, you lose that love a little bit. You know, you lose that, that fire, that passion. And so what, what's happening here is that Jesus is coming back and he's speaking to his church. And he's speaking to this church in Ephesus. And he addresses it because he, he's, he wants them to realize that they've lost that passion. They've lost that fervor. They've, they've lost their love. And so he comes and he says to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Now the angel just means messenger. So it either is speaking to the pastor of the church of Ephesus or it's speaking to what they would consider maybe like an angel that kind of helped oversee or was looking into this, this church in Ephesus. He goes, so to the angel, the messenger in the church of Ephesus. Again, Ephesus is a major city. It's huge, filled with people. It's one of the most crazy cities in the Roman Empire. It's a massive place of trade. The church itself had actually grown anywhere from between 15,000 to 37,000 people in Ephesus. Um, It's majorly known for the temple of Diana, which is a fertility god, or sorry, fertility goddess. So people would go and they would worship there um, with all sorts of crazy sexual things. Uh, I mean, this, we think we live in a wild world today. I'm telling you, the Roman Empire in the first, second centuries were just crazy, like absolutely crazy. So this city isn't just like some holy city. This city has its issues. 
It's got issues, it's got race issues, it's got a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today in our era, they're dealing with then. And so he says, hey, uh, those, these are the words of him who holds the church, who holds the seven stars, which again, maybe seven pastors, or they represent, the lampstands represent the church. But that word hold there, again, because I want you to understand the, the message that Jesus is giving in this moment, the heart behind it, the motivation behind it, what's so important, and we cannot miss this. We can, church, we cannot miss this. He's saying he's holding them. He's not holding them like this. He's not holding them like, you know, like sometimes you grab your kid and you say, knock it off. No, he's, he's holding them. The word hold there means to, to, um, to have empathy, to, uh, to hold lovingly. So he's, he's holding these pastors, these seven churches, he's, he's holding them lovingly and he's, he's, holding, and he's walking with the lampstands. And again, the lampstands represent the churches. The reason why this is so important is because the lampstand doesn't give off light unless it has oil. Oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. So again, our lampstands don't just light up themselves. We have to have the presence of God within our churches. We have to have the presence of God within our churches. So it says, hey, look, this is what I've seen about with you guys. I, I see that you know, I, I see that uh, you don't tolerate wicked people, which, I mean, ultimately, that's good, but it, it should be more we don't tolerate wickedness. We love people, but we don't tolerate the wickedness. He says that, um, you know, uh, you've been perseverant, like you've, been, you've, hang, you've hung in there through like the hard times, through the hardships, through the trials, through people hating the church, through people hating on me, like you've done it, that's awesome. Way to persevere in that. Hey, you've tested false apostles. That's great. You found out like what's good doctrine and what's bad doctrine. Um, at this time, people would roll through and they would try to teach things that were like, like not the real gospel. As a matter of fact, Paul warns about that in Galatians. Like if anyone preaches any other gospel, don't listen to them. The Ephesian church actually had some of the best teachers in, in the world. Spall, sorry, Paul spent three years with them. Three years teaching. Three years teaching with them. Um, uh, they had Priscilla and Aquila, they had Apollos teach them, and these are all like, like first century apostles that were spreading the gospel at that time. Timothy was their pastor. Timothy was raised up by Paul. Like these people had solid pastors and teachers for a long time, and so they understood what was good doctrine and what was bad doctrine, what was good gospel and what was bad gospel. They, they get this, and so he's saying, look, that's, that's great, you've, you've, you've kept all this stuff. Rad, good on you but you've lost the right motivation. You've lost the right motivation. You've lost what's really important here. They became motivated, actually I should say, they became motivated by being right. They, they became motivated by, by being correct. It was more about being right than it was about loving. So it says you've forsaken. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. The word forsaken there means like to purposefully walk away from. So it wasn't like they just lost it. It wasn't like they lost sight. Like, oh my gosh, how did we end up here? No, they purposefully walked away from the love they had at first in order to make sure that they were keeping out false apostles, in order to make sure they were keeping out wicked people, in order to make sure that they were having a church that looked pretty on the outside but lacked the real love that needs to be within a church. They were no longer motivated by love for Jesus, which ultimately is love for people. They were no longer, they lost that love for Jesus, which means they lost that love for 
people, which means they lost the love for Jesus. It's this incredible cycle. When you, when you read in John, it says to love each other as I have loved you. That's a command he gives us. And then when you read in 1 John, it says to love God is to obey his commands. So in order to love God, you have to obey his commands. Whatever is his commands, his commands are to love each other, like to be with each other, to care for each other, to love each other, and to love each other the way he has loved us, which is first unconditional. It's like, it's, it's, it's awesome, right? So in 1 John 4.20, it says this, whoever claims to love God yet, yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. If you hate your brother and your sister, you don't love God. That's pretty heavy. And he's saying, you guys have lost that. Not lost it, you walked away from it. You decided, you decided that you, you, you didn't want to love people anymore. Their lack of love for God means that they forgot their purpose. And if we aren't careful, people, and this is like if we aren't careful in our churches today as believers, if we aren't careful, we can become guards of the gospel instead of greeters for the gospel where we try to do what we can to keep people away so that we don't um, make ourselves impure in a sense, that we don't putrefy the gospel. And that's, that's not what it's about. And, and, and I wonder, because it switched for them. At some moment, it switched for them. And like us in our faith, so at some moment, sometimes it switches for us, where we become more legalistic. We become more about rules than we do the relationship, where we become more about our intellect than we do the intimacy that we should have with the Lord. At some point, it switched for them. And I don't know what that point was, but I can speculate. Maybe it was because as they all started to get themselves dialed, they didn't like the messy people that were a part of their church. Because messy people have issues, and messy people are sometimes hard to pastor, and messy people don't always behave the way that you want them to behave. And if you're living in Ephesus, there's a lot of messy, there's a lot of wicked people. There's people that got issues. And the church becomes more about a program than it does about being a family, and it does about people. People are our purpose, and people are messy, and so therefore church is going to be messy. And church should be the place where you can show up and be messy. Church should be the one place where you can come and you can be completely honest. Like this, this should be the spot. Not just the building, but the, the, the people of God. Like you, like you could show up here on Sunday in your PJs and like people be like, you all right? And be like, yeah, I barely got here today. I barely got out of bed. I'm struggling really bad right now and be like, good, I'm glad you're here. Like, this is the place for you to be. Your rhythm group should come when people are like, yeah, anybody got any prayer requests? And be like, yeah, man, my, our marriage right now is jacked. Like, this whole, like, this whole season has, has, has been hard for us. We, you know, like we're, it's, like, we're trying to parent. We're doing the best we can. Like, instead of everyone showing up with a happy face, like, oh, praise God, hallelujah. Now, again, if that's you, then awesome. Because, again, the, we have the, the joy of the Lord, and that's our strength, and we need to lean into that. But this should be the place where you come in and be like, you know what, man, I, I slipped up again. Like, you know, like I'd had 30 days clean and sober, and, man, I, I blew it. And, and, you know, like, pray for me. We got cool, let's pray together. Like, this should be the spot where we can be completely open with all of this. 
Like this, this could be the spot to where, like, I, man, I, I think sometimes in the church, we start to like a church that's just all like us. Yeah. Like a lot of us want a church that looks just like us, thinks like us, talks like us. And man, if, if that's the church you want, you're going to be disappointed when you get to heaven. Because heaven is full of people with man, all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of, man, diff- I mean, like, all different colors, everything. Like, heaven's going to be a phenomenal spot. But if, if all we want, like, I, I, I want rhythm so badly to be a church where we have, um, we've got Democrats and Republicans, you know, we got people who are liberal in their thought and conservative in their thought. And they, I want people that are, are rich and are poor. I want people that are, you know, um, every color. Like, I want, like, I want this in our church. I want our church to be a place where people can come and they can question. They can, they can come and they can ask about Jesus. They can, they can come and they don't necessarily have to believe yet to belong. Like that's, This is what Rhythm Church is and what it's about. We want to be those who love God and love people regardless. Like in, 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 in a family, you can disagree. I said, it, I said it last week, you know, disagreement doesn't mean it has to become division. Like, we can disagree. In my own family, we disagree. We disagree all the time. I mean, about stupid stuff as to what, like, what show do we want to watch tonight. You know, like, each, each one of us has something different. I don't get up out of my couch and be like, I'm over this family. We can't agree about anything. This is lame. My wife and I, through this whole, like, the COVID-19 things about, like, restrictions, what to do. People, she is at church today. She's got a mask on. And some people are like, I hate masks. And for me, I'm like, I'm not really, I'm not much of a mask guy. I'm not. I'm going to wear one, but, like, I'm not much of a mask guy. But she's been, she's a rule follower. I'm a rule bender, you know, like, but I don't go, that's it, babe. I'm over you. Over you. Done. Can't do this anymore. I only need people who think like me, who talk like me, and agree with me. Man, if, if, if that's you, you're going to live a boring life. You're going to live a boring life. we got to be able to, I want this church to be a place where people can sit down. We can disagree a little bit on stuff. But we're always going to agree that Jesus is, is Lord. We're always going to agree that his Holy Spirit is necessary and that he changes us. Like We're, we're going to agree on those, like, there's, there's the necessities, right? So he says, hey, this is how you get back to it. For those of you guys who are um, type A and want like the point one, two, threes, um, for those of you guys who are more abstract like me, but, but here, here's a three-step process to come back to love. The three-step process to come back to love. And maybe you're in the spot, you're like, Jeff, I don't, I'm in love. I love the Lord. I'm loving people and great. But maybe write this down for if this ever grows cold in you. He says this. He says, consider how you have fallen. Consider another way to put it is remember. I'm going to give you three R's. How's that? Alliteration. Boom. Three R's. He says, remember. Remember. Remember how far you've fallen. Remember where you were at. Remember what it was like to be in love with Jesus. Remember that excitement that you had. Remember when like going to 
church and worshiping with people was like, oh my gosh, like this is awesome. I don't know the words. I don't understand, but I just love to be in here. Oh, there the words are on the screen. Oh, good. Like, do you, like, remember that. Remember when you opened up the Bible and you didn't know what it said, but you just know you had to read it. Like, you didn't necessarily understand all this stuff and how it all interconnected. But you're just like, man, I'm just reading in the book of Mark and wow, Jesus does some crazy stuff. Remember, remember when it, it, you would show up and you would tell people about your new relationship with Jesus or about the love that you you had for the Lord. Remember that. I remember, I, I remember when I got saved and I was still partying. When I got my new start with Jesus, but I was still going to parties, man. I was showing up to parties and I was telling everybody. We'd be outside smoking a cigarette. I'd be like, yo, you guys, look, I just gave my life to Jesus. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. Like, forgives you of every sin. And I don't, you know, like, re- remember that. I have a beer in my hand, the whole deal. Like, just remember. Remember that love and that excitement. Remember when you loved wicked people. And, and, and remember, side note, that you were wicked. Remember, you have and still have issues. Remember that. And in a church in Ephesus who saw the amount of people and the revival that took place there, as you read it in the book of Acts, and how many people get saved, and how many people then get taught. A lot of these people that he's speaking to right now were at one point far from God, wicked people, participating in temple worship to Diana, doing the things that they now look at in disgust. Remember, remember, like you were that person that was in the stuff that you look at now and are disgusted with. Remember that. Remember where, where you were and how far you've come and remember that that's possible for them too. Remember. Remember, like, like remember, I, especially this church in Ephesus, remember like the, the prayers that Paul prayed for you, the stuff that he wrote to you about in the letter to the Ephesians. It's, it's so beautiful. Listen to this. It says, for this reason, this is Paul in his letter to the, uh, the church in Ephesus, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, and your love for all of God's people, you read through the book of Ephesians, you read actually a lot about love. It's love for God's people. And then, and then he prays for him in chapter three. Um, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might, might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You can't figure this love out, people. You can't doctrine this love. You can't. It's so deep, it's so wide, it's so high. There's just such power in it. Do you, you remember, guys, that Paul wrote you this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you were like those who were loving God's people and you were those that were being loved by God? Do you remember that? Man, remember and he says, repent. 
It says repent, and again, we got into this last week, I think, or a couple weeks ago, but repent just means to change your mind and to change your direction, to go in the, in the opposite direction that you were in. So repent, quit making it about, uh, about uh, programs, quit making it about um, uh, looking good and making sure that everything is right and, and perfect and get back to people, repent, repent. And then lastly, he says this, he says get back to what you did at first. Return to loving God and loving people. Do, do what you did at first. Do what you did at first, church. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Which again, he's speaking to this idea of you have to look right in order to be right. Has any value. It has no value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Allow, church, allow your faith to get back to that place where you're expressing it through love. It's not, and, and please hear me, because I know that some of you guys that are very much about doctrine and very much about theology, I am too, 100% I am. I'm not saying like, let's sacrifice one for the other, but they're meant to go together. It's not like, right doctrine, you know, correct theology, Loving messy people, I don't know. You know, like what people say in the, in the church is, is grace or truth. They're meant to be together. They're meant to, why? Because grace is a part of God as well as truth is a part of God. They go, they go together. But I, as I've said before, and in, in, I heard it from somebody else, but I don't remember who I originally heard it from, is that grace builds a bridge for truth. Grace builds a bridge for truth. It's us showing up and, and expressing the, the great grace that is in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness, the love, the empowerment that comes from serving him. It allows us then to hear that truth. Because here's the deal. We want to keep the lampstand. He says, if, if, you don't, if you don't heed this warning, he says, I will take my lampstand. And it's not like Jesus going, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I'm so mad at you all. Like, it's, it's, it's not that. It's... It's him saying, I, I will remove my presence. Like, you'll still be an organization. You'll still be a group of people. You'll still be a group of people that gathers and meets and teaches and maybe does groups and all that stuff, but you'll lack the presence of God. You'll lack the Holy Spirit. And church, we don't want to lack that because it's God's presence that changes lives. It's his Holy Spirit that empowers us to live this life. It's his Holy Spirit that allows us to hear the truth, to speak the truth. It's his Holy Spirit that allows us, that empowers us to love those that we do not want to love, to love those who are completely opposite of us. It allows us to hear different opinions and different thought processes and to say, you know what? It is what it is. Praise the Lord, you think that way, I think this way. Do we love Jesus? <laughs> cool. I don't want to lose the lampstand. I don't want us to ever be a church that does not love. I don't want us to ever be a church that loses, not loses, sorry, that forsakes, that walks away from on purpose those that desperately need Jesus. It's our comeback season, church. I have, a, I have a, a, a 
feeling in my spirit that church will never be the same, but in the most wonderful, wonderful way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season of our life. God, even though it's crazy and it's a little wild um, and hard to understand and comprehend at times, but I thank you that through all of this, you are our rock. So Holy Spirit, we lean into you for guidance, God, for grace, for empowerment. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, I, I, one last time, if any of us here have lost that love, God, please, Father, let us remember, repent, and return. In your name we pray. Amen. Rhythm, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, we'll see you in person eventually, but if not, just, man, stoked to have an online campus. See you soon. Love you.